Hey, before we get into today's show, I want to invite you to a one-hour free workshop that I'm putting on on Saturday, January 28th at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. This workshop is focused on how to use your personal brand in your job search. I'll be teaching you everything you need to know about your personal brand, how it helps you in your job search process, how to craft your top three value proposition statements, and how to use your personal brand in your LinkedIn profile, resume, and elevator pitch. And after this session, I'm going to stick around for 30 minutes to answer any questions that you have all free. This is the perfect way to kick off your job search in 2023. So if you're making a career move this year, you can't miss it. I won't be sending a replay. So join me live. Head over to the show notes in this episode and register for the workshop. See you there. Welcome to the Early Career Moves Podcast, the career strategy podcast for BIPOC folks in their 20s and 30s trying to figure out their next career move. I'm your host, Priscilla Weninger Bolcha, Latinx career coach, former talent recruiter, and human capital management consultant. Each Friday, I'll share an actionable tip to help you on your career change journey so that you can job search with confidence, land amazing job offers, and get on with your life. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Early Career Moves podcast. Today we have a career path spotlight episode. And what I mean by that is we're gonna dive deep into the customer success manager career path and role that exists in a lot of tech companies, particularly software as a service SaaS companies. And I am going to be interviewing a past former colleague of mine, Erica Coleman, who used to go by Erica Iantorno. And Erica is a customer success manager. She's actually a manager of CSMs now at Glassdoor. And on today's episode, she's going to talk about how she transitioned into this career path as a former teacher, as someone who was working in the ed tech startup space. And she's going to share a little bit about what is the role? What's the day to day? What kind of strengths do you need to bring to this job? What does she like about it? Why has she stayed in this path for a while? And she's going to share a little bit about how to use Glassdoor as a job seeker, particularly for learning about company culture and learning about salary benchmarks for different roles in different cities and that kind of thing. So really hope that you get a lot from this episode. It's great for teachers looking to move into corporate or anyone who's looking to transition into a growing career path in potentially the tech space and one that is very open to folks from non-traditional backgrounds. All right, y'all enjoy. Talk to you later. We have Erica Coleman on the show. Welcome, Erica. Hey, Priscilla. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being with us today. So a little background on how Erica and I know each other. We met about, I guess now 10 years ago when I joined as a brand new teacher at Miami Northwestern and you had a year on me and we both were the ninth grade English language arts teachers at Miami Northwestern in Miami, Florida. And so it's been really cool to see how your career has taken shape over the last 10 years, moving in the education space after teaching, but then now in a different arena. I know now you're working at Glassdoor as a customer success manager. And that's part of why I invited you today is just to talk a little bit about what that road has been like to get to where you are today and what it means. So again, thank you for being with us. Why don't you start with just introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. 
Yeah, back in the Northwestern days, I was Miss I back then. But I started my career in teaching, as you mentioned, uh, doing Teach for America right out of college. Basically started because I was an English major and loved literature and didn't know what else to do with that degree. And so we started teaching English down in Miami, like you mentioned. And uh, I loved it. I never really saw myself being a teacher for life. I kind of knew this was going to be an educational experience, pun intended, uh, when mm -hmm. I went into Teach for America and just to see what it was like to teach. And so I was in Miami for a few years. I taught after Teach for America, I taught at a charter school for a year. Again, same thing, English one for ninth graders in DC at a charter school. Um, and after that kind of honestly just got really burnt out of teaching yeah. for a lot of reasons and wanted to explore something else. And I'm originally from the suburbs of Chicago, so I moved back home and kind of wanted to start over and start from scratch and think about what do I want to do that's not teaching directly, but I had all of this experience in teaching and that's all, the only thing I knew in my career. And so I started to think about what did I really like about teaching? And a lot of it was using the technology in my classroom. And so I started thinking about, well, maybe I can get involved in some corporate role that's still involved in education, still is involved in learning and development and young people. And so I started interviewing with ed tech companies. And ed tech was kind of a niche field a few years ago. Now looking back on it after the pandemic, it's like remote learning and ed tech has exploded since then. And now it's kind of like, we're all sitting here like, I told you so <laughs> remote learning is important, but this was pre pandemic. So I got into ed tech and was, had this interesting role of like client experience manager or implementation manager or something like that. Essentially what I was doing was training teachers how to use our software. And so it was still very much a teaching role at these small startups. And I was essentially training teachers and training teachers how to use software, how to use different tools in their classroom with technology. And the, there was a range of schools that had hardware issues and bandwidth issues and other teachers just didn't really want to use technology. So there's no shortage of challenges there, but that's what kind of got me into the corporate world and really just training teachers. And that kind of morphed into what we now call as success. So I eventually got to a role that was called like client success or partner success. And that's where I learned about customer success management. And it was really just born from a need to help implement software in classrooms. Yeah, that's amazing. So what is it that you do today exactly? And tell us about where you work because you work at a really cool place. Yeah. Yeah. I love Glassdoor. I've been at Glassdoor for almost five years now. My current title, I am a manager of customer success managers. So I manage a team of about 15 people or it was 15. Now I think it's down to seven. We've hired a few more, but now only seven. I manage a team of customer success managers. And what Glassdoor does is it's essentially a, a a platform for people, job seekers, employers, employees to get a real sense of what it's like to work at a company before you work there, or even to give your voice to what it's like to work at a company while you're there on an anonymous third-party platform. We're kind of like the Yelp for companies, for corporate spaces. And we are also well known for salary transparency. That's another big pillar of ours. So we try to help people get an understanding of what the salary range would be for a specific job and a title and a specific job location. So yeah, we do a lot of different things, but essentially we our goal is to help people everywhere find a job in a company they love and they love to work mm -hmm. for. I really do believe in that mission and that's what our platform's all about. That's so awesome. Very cool. So we'll definitely come back to the glass door piece, but I want to kind of sure. go backwards to your first interview after teaching. 
because I think a lot of people will listen to this episode who might want to pivot out of teaching, for example, and wonder, like, how do I sell myself, my skills, my experiences in the corporate sector? So that first job that you had, was it implementation? Was that the first job yep. that was not teaching? Yeah. And it was for an education-based startup company. So it was easy to transfer my skill or at least discuss the transferable skills because the people I was interviewing with were also in the education world, right? They were former teachers themselves or former principals or former district managers. And so the people I was interviewing with understood what something like backwards planning meant, right? Or what standardized mm -hmm. tests were, right? Or reading scores and how hard it is to get reading scores to go up, right? Especially in a certain environment of students with students. Yeah. And so they kind of knew the language that I was I was talking about, but essentially what the, the role called for out of the classroom was, can I do this with teachers? Can I use my skills of presenting information and you know, backwards planning and goal setting, not with students, but with a district, right? Could I actually take San Antonio School District, for example, and have their eight leading high schools and plan out a way for over the course of nine months, the entire science department at each of those eight high schools would then be using our specific curriculum online, right? Or certain labs online over that course mm -hmm. of nine months. So it was, could I transfer those skills from the classroom to the corporate world? And essentially it was just, could I transfer what I was doing with students to doing it with adults and professionals? Yeah. And that, that was the an easier jump than you think. I, I think ed tech is a really easy next step for teachers to go to because you have the people who know the language of what you do. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's really helpful advice because if you had tried to do that, maybe like with healthcare tech company or like something in a different industry, it might've been like a harder story for you to tell, to explain like why you want to make this jump. Yeah. But I'm sure you were still able to talk about like the why totally. because of the education background that you had. Absolutely. And you just, you make such a bigger impact on more people and more students when you're working on a district level, right? Or when you're working with a company that is selling to hundreds and hundreds of schools and a platform that can be used by students on their phones, for example, like that's the way that learning is going. And we talk a lot about like, you know, personalized learning, right? And students learn best in their own unique ways. Well, the best way to diversify learning and differentiate learning is through technology, at least I think so. And so talking about differentiated learning through tech, that is what implementation managers, that's what customer success managers do is try to differentiate what you're teaching and what you're showing value in for the different needs of that school or of that district or of that classroom. And it's it's really fun, but it's a, it's always a challenge and it's very similar to the challenges you see in the classroom. Yeah. So now you're working at like a big company that's very well known, but when you first started in the corporate world, you were in a small, I'm assuming it was a smaller ed tech mm -hmm. startup. Were you nervous at the time or like scared that you were joining a startup? Yes, very nervous, but I was also excited. I mean, with startups, this may be generalized, so take it for what it's worth, but like no one knows what they're doing. <laughs> you kind of just do whatever you think is right and throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks, right? And I loved that about the culture of startups. Like 
if something doesn't work, you pivot, you do something new, right? And it's a culture of growth and innovation. And obviously you can screw up, but as long as you put it behind you and keep going and keep trying and learning from your mistakes or learning from other people around you, asking other questions, startup is a really great place to learn a lot about yourself. And another thing that I think teachers have that people don't realize is a lot of mental toughness, a lot of perseverance, right? It, it takes a lot of thick skin to get through a year of teaching, right? And yeah. in corporate America, you need a lot, your skin doesn't have to be as thick, but it definitely helps, right? You're going to have people who don't want what you're selling, who don't want to do what you're asking them to do. And unlike students, you can't call their parents. <laughs> so you kind of <laughs> just have to have this perspective of like, whatever, I, it's not personal, I'm going to move forward. And I see a lot of people in my role today who struggle in corporate life or struggle with their job because they've never really had that mental toughness that teachers have. And I always admire that about teachers. And I think that persistence and strength of character is a skill that I wish people could put on a resume that I think <laughs> teachers should always reference and always yeah. lean back on. Like teaching is the hardest job in the world. It's way <laughs> harder than a lot of corporate jobs. It's way harder than a lot of startups. So if you're coming from a teaching background and trying to move into corporate world, like, yeah, there's challenges, but like nothing will ever be as hard. So you got this. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. And I also think like the public speaking, public presenting oh, part totally. has like just becomes like so much easier to strengthen and get really yeah. good at. That was something that in business school, people were like, oh, wow, you seem really comfortable when you're presenting um, mm -hmm. or like you don't seem very nervous. And it's like, yeah, because I had a tough audience. Ninth <laughs> graders. Totally. Like you just learn to roll with the punches. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think the presentation skills is definitely a hard skill that you can put on your resume for any job and especially a client facing job. I think we'll probably talk more about customer success specifically, but if you're client facing, putting together a presentation, whether that's in PowerPoint or Google slides or whatever, and just being able to speak to it, to an audience, even on zoom, right. Is a tough skill to master and teachers. We do that every day. And it's something, like you said, we have a lot harder audience where kids would just walk out of the room or put their head down and adults <laughs> usually don't do that. But it's a hard skill to learn unless you do it. And teaching, you do it every single day over and over again. And you get to practice those skills and hone those skills. And you're absolutely right. That's a really hard skill to learn. And to bring that already into a corporate role is huge. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about who would be a good fit for the customer success manager role. As someone who, like you've done it before, I'm sure you've seen people who thrive in the role do really well. What mm -hmm. is it about them? What kind of strengths do you think they have? Yeah, well, I can tell you a little bit about what, you know, customer success managers do, and maybe that will help as well. Like what is customer success? And honestly, it's kind of a new field. It's not, it wasn't really a thing until maybe the 2000s or even like closer to 2010. And it's kind of a new field, right? So a lot of people are really not sure what is customer success. It's not support, right? It's not call support. It's not picking up yeah. a phone and helping people log in, even though that's a really important role as well, but that's a little bit different. What customer success really is a role that was born out of a software as a solution product that needs to be renewed, right? A subscription model. So any product that is a subscription-based model, the, the sales team needs to renew that product contract, right? So your company wants to keep your customers buying that same product year after year, right? Sometimes month after month, but usually it's yearly, maybe every two years, whatever. So in a subscription-based product, the customer success team is 
post-sale. They come in and they help you actually use what you buy and show you value from what you buy. And if that's software, that can be anything from data analytics, that can be users, that can be page views, that can be followers. There's a lot of different analytics that you can use to show value in a product month over month or year over year. But generally, customer success is a department that's job is solely focused on customer retention and potentially growth, right? Not only are you going to keep coming back and keep buying the product, you're also going to grow your investment, right? You're also going to start investing in other products and adding to your suite of products. So skills that really help in customer retention is exactly what you said, relationship building, being able to connect one-on-one with people and to understand their pain points. What is really causing them problems and how can you solve it with whatever you're selling? We are very distinct from the sales team because we partner very close with them, but we're distinct from the sales team because we oftentimes aren't trying to directly sell something. We're trying to get you to use what you already bought. So you already have it. I don't need your dollars right now, right? Maybe in six months or nine months, I'll need your money. But right now you already have it. So I don't need to sell you anything. I'm purely a consultant trying to give you advice on how best to use what you've already purchased, right? So relationship building and being able to help people get value from what they've already got is essentially our job. Um, We talked about presentation skills. I would say the next big skill for customer success managers is to be able to tell a story with data. That's what I look for when I am hiring customer success managers for Glassdoor. Can you be a data storyteller? Right. It's one thing to say, wow, you've gained 100,000 views this past year. But does that really tell you anything? Right. Like, is that good? Is that bad? Is how does that compare to my competitors? So what a CSM really needs to be able to do is to show data, but in a compelling way that, again, proves value. Right. So 100,000 views. That's great. That's actually 10 percent more than you were last year, 20 percent more than competitors. But actually, your biggest competitor, they're twice the size of that. They are actually beating you and their stats are higher. So I think we still have a ways to go. Right. SM's one of our biggest, you know, what I advocate the most is like not to sugarcoat bad news, but bad news can actually be a driver of action. So we're not here to tell you, you're the best, you're doing great, you're so awesome. It's like, yeah, you're doing great, but like, here's how you can do better. And here's how I can help you do better. And I see that direct correlation with students, right? Like students can always do really well and get 100% on this quiz, but can they take that to the next level and do get an A on their writing assignment, right? Or a next level up in reading. So yeah, I know I I talked a lot there, but I would say the primary two skills in a successful CSM would definitely be relationship building and data storytelling to drive value. Yeah. And I mean, that is such valuable data and information for companies that are trying to compete in the talent marketplace. And so that's just like really cool that you get to inform that and be like an advisor kind of with companies. Exactly. Yeah. You're a consultant essentially, Mm -hmm. right? And it's a dynamic role with a customer that you can build a lot of trust and respect because at the end of the day, if your customer succeeds, you will succeed right? If they actually do succeed in whatever their goal is, you're going to succeed as a CSM and hopefully get that renewal, hopefully get that growth and it'll show up in in your metrics. Yeah. And then when I think about like the future and like technology, this seems like a role that will stick around for a while. Like, I don't know that this is going anywhere. And it's really interesting that it's kind of a somewhat recent like career path for people too. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's only going to increase in importance for companies to really retain their clients, right? You think about social media, right? And people are always trying to attract new users. And in a B2C environment, right? If you're trying to sell something directly to consumers, those new users are really important. But companies that are not B2C that are or that essentially sell B2B, right? Mm-hmm. Company to company sales. You buy you outsource something to another company. That is always going to be something that needs to be renewed or needs to be resold. And a customer success team is the team that's going to help your sales team do that. And your sales team can't do everything. You'll also hear sales is a really difficult role. It's a very dynamic role. It's definitely an important one and you can make a ton of money in sales. But sales is also really stressful and sales is always about a quota. Customer success is kind of like the sister to sales and that Maybe we have a quota, but it's not as high as the sales team. Maybe we don't make as much money, but I have a concrete paycheck that I know that I'm going to get. And I know that I can continue to move up in customer success along a clearly defined path. And yeah, I see customer success as like the sister to sales that will continue to increase in importance so long as sales is going to be important, which is forever. Just always. Yeah. Which is um, business, right? Yeah, <laughs> Capitalism. Like, like, literally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really good distinction. I'm glad you made it because a lot of people that I've talked to about considering this role, they're like, is it, is this sales? Like I, I'm like nervous about doing like having to do sales or a quota. So it's nice to know that, like you said, it is different. It's distinct. I'm sure maybe there's variations in companies, but in yeah. general, it does seem like two different buckets completely. Very cool. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about Glassdoor because it is so relevant to the audience of my podcast, like their job searching and Glassdoor is definitely a huge resource to them. And I know you mentioned you sometimes do like trainings for people to help them navigate or use Glassdoor. There's a ton of webinars that we do for job seekers on Glassdoor. So yes, I hope everyone listening signs up for a free account on Glassdoor. Leave a review for your current company. It can be (laughs) 10 characters long. That doesn't matter. But we do want fair and balanced reviews and content. And once you leave one review for your current employee or a former employer within the past five years, you unlock access to all of our content, which is we have a tool that used to be called Know Your Worth. That's a salary estimator tool. We have competitor comparisons. So you can compare certain roles at different companies that are currently open right now. You can go to companies' profile pages and see their rating. What have other people you know, who actually work there rate their company and what do they have to say about working there? And we also have new features that, well, I guess they're not that new. They're two years old now. We have diversity and inclusion ratings now too. So you can actually rate your company on how does it feel to work at this company as a woman, right? As Mm -hmm. a caregiver, as a parent, as a member of the LGBTQ plus community. And you can actually see ratings by underrepresented groups And some companies will even post their goals for diversity and inclusion on Glassdoor and say, we want to have 50% women in leadership roles by 2025. That's actually Glassdoor's goal, transparently. Like that's what Glassdoor is working on right now, amongst a bunch of other goals. And so Glassdoor is just a place that really believes in transparency. And what our team does is work with employers who want to showcase their own employer brand and tell the world and tell candidates what it's like to work at their company. And it's a way for them to hire top talent because 
companies realize, as I'm sure, right, the talent market's really tough right now. It is a job seeker world. And there's usually, there are a lot more open positions than there are people to work these roles and people to get into these roles. So the job seeker has the advantage right now. Mm -hmm. And so for companies, what we try to help them do is to position themselves as a really great place to work, to attract those people to their jobs. And so if you go on their profile page and there's nothing and they have a 2.0 rating, like that's maybe a company you want to reconsider. Or again, ask the hiring manager, hey, why don't you have a strong rating on Glassdoor? I don't see any content. And then if you go to a company's page and you look up their profile and you see all of this content, they post maybe recent company updates, what's going on. They had a a fun casual Friday or it's Hispanic Heritage Month. What are they doing for that? What are they doing for Black History Month in February? So they'll post some things like that. What are, and then they'll have a bunch of content about their diversity inclusion efforts and maybe post their goals. Like that is usually a company, even if it's not perfect and rarely are companies perfect, To acknowledge that and to share that with job seekers is so important for their own brand. And we're also going to try and move into employee sentiment, right? Like, what is it like to work there? How do your employees feel? Because at the end of the day, that's a retention tool too, right? Can you retain your company your or your employees, right? Do people stay there? Or if you have turnover, do people keep leaving? Why? Can you really understand as a company, as an HR department, why? So that's a little bit of the back end of Glassdoor with our B2B model. But to go back to job seekers, I definitely encourage you all to check out Glassdoor and at least think about company ratings and what you want to see in a company culture because their culture should be on display at Glassdoor. Yeah, I think that's such a good piece of advice. I think it's almost like a proxy for their intentionality around the employee experience, um, how they are wanting to tell their own story. And I agree. I think at any time you go to a Glassdoor page for a company and it's like very built out and updated, it just like, it just feels good. You're like, oh, I can really imagine Mm -hmm. myself there, right? Like it's like a positive experience. And that starts there. It starts at the very beginning. And Mm -hmm. it's just part of the job seeker journey, right? Like you're going to go to LinkedIn. You're going to go potentially to Indeed, who's our sister company. You're going to Google the company and go to their career site, right? I think we have some statistic of like job seekers go to 17 different resources from application to hire to interview, right? Like the job seeker journey is long because you want to do your homework, right? Do your homework. You don't want to end up at a company that one month in, you're like, what the heck did I do? (laughs) This is not for me. Like that is not good for you. It's not good for the company. And so do your homework and use Glassdoor as one of the many resources that are out there. Yeah, love it. Okay, well, this has been an amazing conversation. So helpful. Here's my last question. What is like a piece of advice that you have for someone who's interested in breaking into this career path, maybe in terms of either like learning more about it or upskilling, like if there's something they should be reading or getting better at? What are, What's your advice there? Yeah, I mean, I hate to say networking, but networking is good. Find out who else is in customer success and send them a LinkedIn message, send them an email or a text and ask them how they like their company, how they like their job. I would say a great book that I read when I first got into customer success is just called Customer Success by Nick Mehta. He's the CEO of Gainsight, which is a great book. But at the end of the day, honestly, have a lot of confidence in your skill set especially if you are a former teacher. You have the mental fortitude, you have the data analytics skills, you have the relationship building skills that are so hard to teach 
And leaning on those skills as transferable to any client facing role is exactly what I would recommend. Just have some confidence in yourself and try. There's no harm in trying. And I would say every hiring manager wants you to ask those questions and for you to show interest in their company. There's never a bad question when you're interviewing for new roles, and there's never a bad opportunity to share all of the soft skills that you have already built in previous roles. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure you head over to ecmpodcast.com slash free course and sign up for my free job search training course. I teach you the three things that you need to know before you go into a job search process. My goal is to help you change careers with confidence and ease so you can move on with your life. I'll see you next week.